following a group of 10 young people in a series of facilitated workshops on issues relating to the climate crisis and the challenges we all face. There is no planet B. This is a journey through the climate crisis on KCLR. If burning fossil fuels was so bad that it threatened our very existence, how could we just continue like before? A journey through the climate crisis is funded by Commission the Man with a television license fee. Hello and welcome back to episode 2 of A Journey Through the Climate Crisis, a 10-page series where we follow 10 young people from Austria Youth as they take part in a bunch of workshops to learn what they need to know about climate change and, of course, the climate crisis. Now we're on to a new week. The group loved their first week, but this week's programme, it focuses on what the problem is with climate change and how far people are willing to go to help fix it. I'm Shannon Redmond. I will be your host, shall we say, throughout this programme and throughout the series. I'm going on this journey with you all and with the group of 10 participants. We're all learning that bit more about climate change. If you have any thoughts or want to share your comments about climate crisis and things that we can all do to make it a bit better, then you can get in touch on 083 306 9696. Our dinner is ready. Text and WhatsApp. Now you met some of the participants in the first episode, but not them all. You will meet the rest of them a little later in today's episode. But first, let's check in on that first bit of homework the group had. You're all very welcome back to our second week in our Climate Change Climate Action Group. I found last week was a really, really great week. We had a lot of um, with great debates in our moving debate last week and looking forward to having a couple of more debates this week. And um, The topic this week is um, what's the problem? And we're looking at exploring what we don't know and how far we are willing to go. So firstly, we're going to have a look at the homework that we were assigned last week. Um, and that was for each of you to go home, to talk to your family members and to see how they would rate on a scale of 1 to 10 how severe they think the climate crisis is. 1 being not much of a concern to 10 being the absolute extreme. So would anyone like to share what they found out from their families? Yes, yeah, so um, I asked a 42-year-old and he said he would rate the climate crisis a 9 and then I asked a 45-year-old and he said a 5 and then a 17-year-old said they would rate it a 9 out of 10. Another 17-year-old said they would rate it 7 out of 10. Um, another 17-year-old said they would rate it 8 out of 10. And finally, the last 17-year-old I asked said they would rate it a 10 out of 10. Okay, so there's there's a lot of concerned people in your life, by yeah. one person who's kind of in the middle there with, yeah. with a 5. Did they give any reasons, Mida, for their scores? I think scores? it's just interesting to see that uh, the older people that I asked rated it um, a lower number and then the younger people I asked rated it a higher number which just shows that uh, young people are really concerned with the severity of the climate crisis and um, they are more worried about it because it does directly impact their future. So I think that's just something interesting that can be taken from the numbers. For sure. That's great. Mm-hmm. Thanks, Mida. Richard, would you like to share your findings? Uh, somewhat. A 17-year-old rated it 9 out of 10 uh, on concern. 18-year-old rated it 10 out of 10 on concern. A second 17-year-old rated it 8 out of 10 
One of my younger brothers rated it 5 out of 10. My second youngest brother rated it 4 out of 10. My mother rated it 6 out of 10. And the same for my dad, 6 out of 10. Okay, so there's the 50-50 there, isn't there, between very high ratings and, and, and low ratings? Yeah, I think it's most likely because uh, they don't feel it really concerns them or it doesn't affect them too much. Okay. Like, my parents are more... Uh, they'd be more concerned with what is currently happening, like affecting food prices mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Okay. Okay, that's that's a great insight. Thanks, Minion Richard. Matthew? I believe I have around eight people here, so I'll try to keep it brief. Um, a 50-year-old rated it a six or a seven, with this person being particularly concerned about government commitment, transport, energy, Methane from the burning of Siberia, weather changes in other parts of the world, the effectiveness of individual actions, climate change's effects on Ireland specifically, and ocean acidification. Another 50-year-old rated it between 8 and 10, and this person was concerned about the erosion of the country, extreme weather, refugees, economic difficulties, the climate becoming more unstable, diseases spreading, Uh, The person in question believes that it is a big issue, especially when combined with other issues. A 19-year-old said that it is an 8, and that if it gets as bad as the worst-case scenario, then it's going to be pretty bad. That's a paraphrase, but fair enough. Another 19-year-old also rated it an 8, saying that the Earth will be fine, but we won't, more or less. A 79-year-old rated it a 7. This person was concerned about changes to weather in different parts of the world. The person would rate it higher, but said that he won't be there for its worst effects. So, a 20-year-old rated it as a 5, and said that they personally have not really experienced much of the effects of climate change, but that they are aware of what could happen if climate change continues at the rate it is currently going throughout the world. A 17-year-old rated it an 8, saying that they are aware that something has to be done, otherwise certain aspects of the world could have a major effect on our lives as a whole. An 18-year-old finally rated it a 10, saying that they cannot really remember the last time it snowed so heavily in a long time, and that the summers seem to keep getting hotter. They said that it's worse in other parts of the world, but that they're definitely seeing the effects it has on our world. Thanks very much for that, Matthew. You got a lot of feedback there from people in your lives quite interested in the person that told you that they I think they rated it middle didn't they because it didn't directly impact them yes Ruth uh, the person in question age 20 rated it a five okay and what what is your take on that well I can understand where the person's coming from I mean if you're not seeing it in your own life direct day to day then you may not rate climate change as a serious issue. But this is one person that you you know of. I'm sure there's many more. I think, Mita, you, you also had someone, didn't you, who said that they didn't, if it didn't directly affect them? Yeah, I had a person who rated it a five as well, just because they weren't seeing the direct impacts. Mm-hmm. They didn't say it was a concerning problem for them personally, but I do think that um, by following it on the news, everybody kind of does note that climate change is a problem. They just, since they're not feeling it, especially in 
um, like Ireland here, um, if they're not feeling the extreme impacts of it, they wouldn't be too concerned about it. So do you think that there's a certain level of apathy amongst groups of people that if it doesn't doesn't affect them and if it isn't happening on their doorstep that they don't really have to do anything? Yeah, but also um, I think apathy is a very strong word to use in this scenario but I also think it could just be like sheer ignorance or like they just might not be aware of the fact like because um, it's since it's they're not made aware of it and it's not... Um, relevant to their lives they might not have looked into it and it might not be a malignant thing that they're trying to do it might just be uh that they simply don't know about it and it just might be as innocent as that so i think the important thing to do is to raise awareness of it and make people aware of it because there's still so many people that don't know about the severe impacts of climate change and how it will soon affect them but there are definitely people in the world who just don't care about something unless it directly impacts them Mm -hmm. so yeah I definitely agree with you. I think we discussed it last week that education is absolutely key, vital, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Definitely. And vital in getting this message across. Yeah. Okay, thank you. And on to Chesi. Somebody said they rated it 11. Okay, so over 10. Yeah, definitely. Um, their exact words were, need I say more? Which seems pretty reasonable to me. Like, yes. this person is aged 30. They have no kids of their own, but they still agree that whatever's happening with climate change is pretty drastic and we should be taking action. Okay. So this person is, is very concerned. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So uh, both of my parents are in their mid-50s. Good for them. Uh, they both rated seven on the scale, which, I mean, they um, immigrated from Eastern Europe, so they obviously have some... Like first-hand knowledge of what's going on with climate change, they are they are concerned, but not to an extent where it's like their main priority. If that makes sense, like okay. again, what Mita said about education and ignorance more than just labeling them as apathetic. Do you, do you, do you believe then, with a little bit more awareness and education that we were talking about, that potentially your parents in time will rate a little bit higher than a seven? Definitely, yeah. If like more of the facts about climate change are more well known and not just shoved under the rug, then yeah, people will, you know, be more aware and start start to take action. Great. Great. Thanks, Jesse. Adam and Nola love a bit of homework and they wanted to take part in last week's homework. So let's hear what results they gathered with people in their lives. I asked five people um, what they said. So I asked an eight-year-old, he rated it a nine. I asked an 11-year-old, he rated it a eight. I asked a 50-year-old and she rated it a five. I asked a 51-year-old, she rated it a six. And I asked a 51-year-old and he rated it a seven. Seven. Wow. Okay. So again, Adam, you can clearly see, can't you, the kind of older age group, the numbers are slightly lower, um, whereas the young people are really kind of on the ball, aren't they? They know how serious it is. And can I ask Adam, what would you rate it? I would rate it a seven. A seven. And why is that, can I ask? Because our planet is damaged and the heat is getting too hot for us. Okay, thanks Adam. Okay, over to you, Nola. Um, I asked five people 
Um, I asked a 77-year-old and she said um, that she thought it was an 8. Then I asked an 80-year-old and he said that um, it was a 5. Um, I asked a 47-year-old and she said a 9. Then I asked a 10-year-old, she said also said a 9. And I asked a 14-year-old and she said a 7. So again, the numbers are quite high, bar one. And what would you rate it yourself, Nola? Um, I rate it a eight because um, it's it's very damaging right now, and it's very important to just try and start something out. Great, thanks, Nola. Great stuff there. And don't worry, guys. There's plenty more homework coming your way over the next couple of weeks. Now, before we meet some of the other participants officially, we are going to hear from the group on how they found their first session last week. Just check in with everyone. How did you any reflections on on last week's recording? Would anyone like to jump in? Yeah, I thought last week was really good, um, especially the icebreakers. It got uh, to I got to know everyone a little better and I think that was good. And we're ready for week two now. Yeah, same. I enjoyed the debate. Yeah, that was, it was a great debate, I have to say. I'm looking forward to more of them over the next few weeks. How about you, Nola? Did you enjoy last week? I really enjoyed the icebreak and um, the debating. It was great. The icebreakers were a great way to get to know everyone for sure. And the debates, I thought, were absolutely fantastic. I don't think like the atmosphere in the room could even come across on the radio, but it was it was brilliant. I, I think for me, Ruth, the moving debate kind of made me realise how knowledgeable all the young people in the room are as opposed to the adults. And just speaking for myself here, but I just learned so much even in a short space of time. And I think it goes back again to the points you were talking about that, you know, we know the population um, in the world of youth is the highest it's ever been. So I think... We need to jump on that um, because you are the future and I think you are the ones that are going to get people to listen. So I just loved, I was nearly taking notes myself on all the, the information you were passing on. So I'm learning too as we go along. Now you met the first half of the group participants in last week's episode. They gave you a lovely little intro about themselves and what they find interesting about the climate or why they joined the climate group. Now it's time to meet the rest of the group. Now, you may have already heard some of these voices from last week's episode, some of the group members, but you haven't quite met them officially yet and the rest you will hear from in the coming weeks. But let's officially meet them and get to know them a little bit more. Kicking us off, we meet Chezzy. Hi, my name is Maria Chadara Foxha, but I go by Chezzy. I am 17 years old. So something interesting about me is I can solve a Rubik's Cube. Why I joined this program is I joined in hopes of making a difference. Hashtag strength in numbers. I feel that this is a great opportunity for young people to get our voices heard. And hopefully we will and make an impact. Next up is Richard and he has a very interesting fact about himself. My name is Richard uh I joined this course because I like the environment and nature and something interesting about me is I keep ants as pets. It's Heather's turn and she tells us all about her love for sport. Hello, my name is Heather. Um, I am 13 years old and I love Komogi. I'm interested in climate change because it will impact my future. It's time to meet Emma and hear about her brother's interesting choice of pet. Hi, my name is Emma. 
I joined this course because I'm interested in the environment. Something interesting about me is that my brother has a Taurus. And last but not least, we meet Sofia. My name is Sofia Zolotyk. I'm 13 years old. I'm from Ukraine. And I I joined this group because I want to say some more things about Ukraine and what is going on there. Also, I want to say about climate because it's really important for all world. Now we want to start out this week's journey by finding out what the group of young people know about the climate crisis. And we do so by asking them some questions and hearing what they have to say. So let's dive right in. Okay, so like I said before, last week we had a a really good session with our moving debate and there's a lot of knowledge in the group, which I'd be interested in tapping back into right now, if you were okay with that. If I might ask you a couple of questions to get the the conversation going. Um, The first question is, what do you understand when you hear the word climate change and climate crisis? Um, So... I guess when I hear the word climate change, I think of um, like long term changes in weather patterns um, and the temperature and these shifts in weather pattern in, uh, weather patterns and temperatures um, are natural. But since around the 1800s, um, they have been predominantly increased by human activity, such as burning fossil fuels um, and the changes that are happening at the moment are not natural changes, they're bad changes that are affecting the planet and our speci- species and the biodiversity in which we live. That's perfect. Thanks, Mita. <laughs> when I hear climate change, I often think of just sea levels rising, increase in like, we- or weather events such as tornadoes, hurricanes, storms, stuff like that. Um, the changing of environments, like uh, the oceans becoming a bit more acidic because of the increase of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere, and then, like that, which like that affects all marine marine life and frogs and stuff like that. Great, thanks, Richard. And and how do things like rising sea levels? How do they make you feel? They make me feel like that. I think we're kind of just doing too much of the wrong things. Like we are always saying how we need to transition from fossil fuels to clean energy sources, and then we don't do it. So I think, uh, or so I feel that we're just kind of ignoring the problem or. We know the problem is there, but we're just deciding not to do anything about it because we just feel too lazy to do anything. Okay, so I'm sensing a level of, of frustration there. A small bit, yeah. yeah. Great, thanks Richard. Well, climate change itself is just a change to the Earth's climate, either through natural or unnatural means, through either an extended or a short period of time. The climate change that we tend to be talking about is man-made climate change, which has been induced by the overproduction of greenhouse gases from the burning of fossil fuels such as coal and oil and gas to produce energy. The greenhouse gas effect, which was 
It was originally discovered in around the 1850s or 60s, more or less, or at least it was discovered then that carbon dioxide and other greenhouse gases like methane can affect the temperature of the atmosphere. And, of course, over the centuries, it was then sort of figured out that small amounts of carbon dioxide and all of that can actually have a very large effect on the atmosphere's temperature and weather and all of that. And until about the 1950s, it was sort of figured out that the global temperatures were indeed properly rising over extended periods of time. And it was sort of looked into even further. And then by about the 1990s, when they first set up the uh, IPCC, that's when they kind of knew that climate change is a thing being caused by humans. Of course, it, well, we all know that it's taken a little while for us to do something about that, <laughs> but um, that's more or less what climate change is. And in terms of the climate crisis, that is in reference to sort of the lack of action surrounding what we need to do to stop this rapid man-made climate change, as well as the actual extreme weather events and the, uh, well, just the changing of weather patterns. That's what climate change fundamentally is, really. Changing of climate. So that's what the climate crisis refers to, really. It's just all the problems associated with that, be that um, migration or drought or extreme weather or potential wars, thankfully we haven't had anything too crazy about that yet, or resource shortages. So thanks for that, Matthew. That was a great history lesson nearly in, in climate change. And, you know, so people have been talking about this since the 1800s and there hasn't been a massive amount of conversation around it, has there? Well, no. Um, I, know, I, I know I've only been giving vague dates, but mm -hmm. essentially, early on, it was a very siloed away academic thing. Mm -hmm. Like, even during, like, say, the 50s or whatever, the 1950s is in, the people had an idea about it, but they back then they weren't even sure if it was a bad thing yet or not. And they were kind of mostly keeping it within scientific circles. Okay, thanks, guys. But we move on to, on to Jazzy. What do you think, Jesse, when you, when you hear climate change and climate crisis? What is your understanding of both those terms? Um, first of all, the climate is changing, and not in a good way. Like, cold places are getting warmer, and warm places are getting even warmer. And that's not good. Like, during summer, I heard that the heat was so bad here in Europe, that in Italy, some people were dropping dead because of, of the heat. It was that bad. Like... Different different ecosystems, like, aren't able to handle a lot of bird changes, if that, if that makes sense. Like, if you think about Antarctica and the Arctic, and how the, and how everything's, like, warming up, ice is melting, and, well, it shouldn't be happening. Yeah. It sounds like you, you share the same concern or frustration as Richard about the rising water right. levels. I mean, in fairness, it is pretty frustrating. Like, mm -hmm. like if you yeah. think about all the other stuff that could be like frozen mm -hmm. deep in the ice caps, mm -hmm. like it's terrifying, actually. So, so would you agree that climate is in crisis? Definitely, yeah. Um, I think people are just gaslighting themselves, both literally and figuratively, 
Like that's a really good way of putting it. Like Go on. definitely. Just, yeah, greenhouse gases. We shouldn't have much of those. Like we really have to do something about those guys. Like what are we doing? Again, I really hear that the frustration is coming across really, really strong. I wanted to see what the other group members in Osterieu thought, so we put the same question to them. When I hear the word climate crisis or climate change, I understand that it is a big thing that we have been dealing with for years and that we can hopefully change it. Um, extreme weather and our environment being damaged. When I hear the word climate change, I think of the major changes of the weather and earth heating up because of humans by burning fossil fuels and gas emissions. I understand that to be the climate changing for the worse. Um, the likes of floods and fires affecting people and where people live. Moving on then to the next question. I, I kind of feel like I know the answer to this already, but the next question is, do you believe it? Do you believe that the climate crisis is a real thing, Matthew? Well, I think that at this point, 99% of the world can kind of agree. Well, maybe not the world, but 99% of the people in Ireland, at least, can agree that it seems to be real. At least, you know, on some basic level. I mean, we're seeing all these heat waves, for example, in Europe from this year and the year previous. There were temperatures in like, what, 50 degrees almost in some of the Mediterranean area. And that doesn't seem normal. There's been a lot of extreme weather here and there. There's been a lot of storms. And of course, we get those, of course, but they seem to be becoming more frequent. And I mean, what, 99% of the world's scientists all seem to be saying, yep, it's real. So you think it's real? Well, uh, considering all of that and everything else that's been going on, like all those fires, say, in Siberia or in America or Australia, yeah, I'd say it's real. Yeah, um, I think everyone here who's taking part in the climate group would agree that climate change is real or we wouldn't be here right now. But um, I think generally it would be a bit silly not to agree that climate change is real given all the evidence that we have been given and all the things that we've witnessed over the past few years. Um, so yeah, it's definitely like real in my opinion. Richard, what do you think? I do think that it's real because um, I believe it was either last Christmas or the Christmas before that in, I think it was Spain, it snowed quite heavily, which I'm pretty sure is unusual in Spain and the Mediterranean uh, countries. And then, like with Ireland, I remember hearing somewhere that Ireland will be getting cooler or colder uh, as a result of global or uh, climate change. Like last summer, I believe it got to nearly 30 degrees or about over 31 degrees. Um, but then this year, I don't remember it getting much higher or much hotter than 28 degrees. Mm-hmm. Chazzy, what about you? Do you believe it's real? Oh yeah, it's real. It seems legit. Hashtag no cap. <laughs> yeah, um, people shouldn't be like collapsing for no reason. So, mm. yeah, climate change, climate change is real. Like, again, what are we all doing here if it's not? Mm-hmm. For sure. 
a great response to that question, but let's see what the others from the group have to say. Uh, I believe in climate change because um, I've heard stories about the ozone layer being damaged and has holes in it. And that's why the weather, um, the sun is too hot. I heard another effect, uh, the Antarctica, uh, if that defrosts, it has bacteria in it that could uh, kill us and we have no cure to stop it. I do believe in climate change because I just think that there is a lot of proof behind it. I do definitely believe about climate change. Uh, I think it's a major um, problem and we need to find a way how to stop it or like make change because it's affecting young people and it will affect if we don't take action. I believe it's because higher temperatures, floods and droughts are happening more often around the world. I do believe it because you see on the news every day there's fires and floods and hurricanes all over the world. Are there things that people do that they think are good for the environment but are actually in fact damaging for the environment? Matthew? Well, yes, quite simply. For example, people could uh, be throwing every bit of plastic in the recycling bin thinking it's all going to be recycled. However, it could be, say, dirty in some way or just not a type of plastic that's recyclable yet, widely anyway, and then that could actually end up potentially contaminating the entire recycling bin. Of course, now that's just... I wouldn't really blame people for that one much because, to be honest, I think recycling is more or less not that well explained, at least in my own view. I think it needs to be more widely explained in a simpler format. However, recycling itself is kind of complicated. So, But that's just one thing. I mean, there's also plenty of various products, say, that are being peddled by various companies, which they say are environmentally friendly products, but they're not. They're just packaged <laughs> to look nice and green. So that's also something, again, that's not really anyone's fault except the companies. But there are sadly things that people are doing which they think might be environmentally friendly, but which are not. I know that some people think that incinerators are good because then all their trash doesn't go into like large landfills or being like just littered around. Uh, but one downside to the to incinerators is. I have said earlier that because there's more carbon dioxide in the sky, it raises the acidity of the ocean. I'm just going to explain that here. Uh, when the trash is burned, it releases carbon dioxide into the atmosphere. Then rain comes down. The when it when the water droplets condense, they absorb some of the carbon dioxide, forming a very weak acid. Uh, and then when those water drops go into lakes, uh, rivers, oceans, eventually over time it raises the acidity slightly, but that would have a large effect on the wildlife in r lakes, rivers, and oceans. For example, uh, in the oceans, the higher acidity means creatures that have evolved to have tough shells like crabs, uh, lobster, uh, 
stuff, clams, stuff like that. They, their armor, which they had evolved millions of years to get to protect them, would become much less effective. And then in rivers, lakes, ponds, frogs are extremely, uh, they can get, uh, or the entire populations of them can be uh, just disappeared because of a slight increase of the acidity of their water. They're extremely sensitive to it. Well, Richard, that was really interesting. And I think you've highlighted a really good message there that something that people think is harmless actually has such a massive, massive impact on on our animals and our sea life and anything living in, in our, our rivers, oceans and lakes. So thanks for, for sharing that. So um, I think some people, lots of people think that using paper cups is really good, like especially if you go to a coffee shop or something and if you don't get a plastic cup, using a paper cup, sorry, is better. But um, I have to cut across you there. I actually just removed my McDonald's paper cup <laughs> from the table. Sorry, but go on. it's a really yeah. common misconception because... Um, most of the paper cups that are being used um, are coated in a plastic film from underneath. So they don't, they look like they're a paper cup, but technically they're not really. And that goes the same with when you're baking at home. Instead of using tinfoil, you'd use parchment paper because tinfoil isn't recyclable. So you're on the right track there because tinfoil takes much, much longer to disintegrate. But again, same with the paper cups. The parchment paper is also lined with silicone which is another plasticky substance. So a better thing would be to get a silicone baking mat. But um, these are the two common misconceptions. I think people just do it. Again, it's not out of malice or anything. They just simply don't know. Again, mm-hmm. sheer ignorance. And relating back to the first episode, the solution would be education with all these misconceptions that are being thrown around. Absolutely. And Jesse, what about you? Are there, are there things that you know of that people do thinking that they're the right thing to do? Sure. I mean, um, flushing things down the toilet, like other things that shouldn't be in toilets in the first place, like um, wet wipes. Most of them, you can't put them in the toilet. Like um, sanitary products, you can't do that either. Um, toilet rolls, not the best. Kitchen roll as well, it's also not good. And again, if if something says, if a product says that it's, the packaging is biodegradable, you don't just chuck it out into the field. You know, it's still it's still littering. It's still inconvenient for anybody walking by. Like, mm-hmm. it's not a pretty sight to behold. And also, um, driving fast. That doesn't help the environment in any way, so just slow down a bit. You know, if you're late to an appointment, just keep driving normally. You gotta arrive alive and whatnot. Also, just to add to that point, also idling is really, really bad for the environment as well. Because when you're just in the car with the engine off and you aren't moving, um, not only is it wasting your gas um, and, you know, adding to the carbon dioxide, it's also just costing you money. So um, Mm. that's a really bad habit as well. Yeah. Some great responses to those questions, really showing us how the group feel about climate change. Now, we decided to throw a little bit of a curveball to them and see how far they would go to help the environment. Would they give up their air travel? We pretend that airplanes in the night sky like shooting stars. I can really use a wish right now, wish right now. Wish right so we mentioned earlier about Ireland's climate action plan. 
Um, and I know that each of you have had a chance to read it and have your opinions about it. There's a lot in it. So we might just look at, at travel because I know that that's uh, a topic we're going to look at in a, a later episode. But I know one of the one of the um, parts of the Climate Action Plan was transforming how we travel. And, you know, an overall plan to reduce how much we travel. So I would just be interested to ask the question, would each of you, we're coming up to our summer holidays now, would you be willing to reduce your air travel to one long haul flight every eight years? Because that is a recommendation that's out there. Well, personally, I don't want to leave Europe ever. However, I, I have a feeling I probably will at some point. But um, I'd do it in a completely personal capacity because I probably won't be leaving anytime soon anyway. However, uh, well, I imagine that other people would disagree with me. So would you be willing to give up your Europe, your European travel well, in those eight years instead of that one long-haul flight? Well, that would be considerably harder. <laughs> However, I suppose... If I had to, yeah, I'd do it personally. Um, so I would give up flights, I think, um, within Europe. And I like if I needed to travel within Europe, I'd take a more sustainable option. So like get a, a boat or like a ferry over um, or try if you're in continental Europe, you can try drive there or not drive, but like take a bus there or a train or something like that. Um, but me personally being from India, saying that I'm only going to visit my home country every eight years is a bit excessive because obviously I do um, like to go back there every couple of years to visit family members. So I think it would be a bit different in that sense because there are no other options for me to get to India except taking a flight because um, it is not feasible to get a boat or um, a bus up there. It just won't. Um, so... Yeah, I think it just really does depend on personal circumstances. But within Europe, I would be willing to switch out my um, plane uh, travel to other sustainable options if I could. Yeah, if I was financially independent. That's a fairly reasonable explanation. The need to get home to see family. But I like I like your idea of your travel around Europe because they have some of the f- absolutely fantastic railway yeah. systems in Europe. Definitely, and I think very accessible. You should make use of it if mm-hmm. it's there. So, yeah. Richard, how about you? Yeah, I don't really go. I don't really go on any flights. I've only been on, I think, one, and that was only to Cardiff, uh, and that was last year, I think. So, like, it's not really. I don't really want to travel too far. They, um. The United States, like North America, there's not really much there that I would want to really see. Okay. Maybe like once I'd go there, but not like every two years or so. Okay, so yeah. for you, it's a it's a once in a lifetime trip going to yeah America. Really, they, yeah, maybe like in other uh more tropical areas, I might go maybe like a few times, but really, I'm just. I like prefer to stay in to, in Europe and okay. not deal with the thirty degree weather all year. No, <laughs> that's fair enough. Thanks, Richard. Chessie, what about you? So, um, my childhood consisted of me 
going to, to and from Manchester every week. Uh, yeah, I was on trial for a medication. That is that helped me, and it's helping me. It's going great, thanks. But, um, yeah, if all goes well and I have no reason to travel, then sure, I'd rather have a staycation every year instead of having to travel. Like, yeah. so, so, again, that's a very necessary journey that you need to make. Yeah, by, by, by plane. I'm in a great position now that I don't have to anymore. But, yeah, if all goes well, I'd rather have a staycation instead of going abroad. Now, Ruth mentioned the Climate Action Plan a little earlier, so let's hear what the group think of the government's plan. So would anyone like to share their thoughts just briefly maybe on Ireland's Climate Action Plan? Rita? Yeah, so as it says on the Climate Action Plan, inaction is not an option. However, we are still far away from reaching that 1.5 degrees that was agreed upon in the Paris Agreement and also again at COP26, which is the Conference of the Parties. And while the plan does say that there's hopes to be a 75% reduction in emissions, which Matthew mentioned earlier in the episode, this seems a little unfeasible unless concrete action is taken right away. Um, And we also have to make sure that the young people's and citizens' assemblies that are mentioned in the Climate Action Plan, they are not used as a form of tokenism and that young people's voices are actually taken into account and their opinions are also included in the decision-making. And there's also no mention in the Climate Action Plan of the growing problem of the climate refugees, of which there are to be 1.2 billion by 2050, um, and how Ireland plans to deal with this, which is something that is really important and needs to be um, considered as well. That's great, Mida. Thanks very much for sharing that. Matthew? Yeah, I suppose just looking at it here, some of it does not seem very feasible, I have to be honest. I mean, the current year is 2023, so we have seven years to get one in three private cars to be electric vehicles, for example, and we have about seven years to get 70% of people in rural Ireland to have access to buses that provide at least three trips to the nearest town daily by 2030. So we have seven years to achieve that, and we have seven years to get one in three electric vehicles Per, per person in the population is in, one or three people. And I don't think that that's going to work. Before we go to this week's Climate Curiosities, we asked the group to take a look at their own behaviour at home. Can they help the environment a little bit more? So we've created as part of this programme a, a wall of shame, we've called it. And um, people have been given the opportunity to write on a post-it throughout each session and in sessions going into the future, maybe um, a, a behaviour that they would like to confront themselves, but that they're not, they're not under pressure to share part of the group. So it's actually, it's an anonymous wall of shame. So people have been writing on post-its and they have stuck the post-its to the wall. And I have four, five, six, seven, eight confessions from the wall of shame. So um, no judgment here and people were really honest. So I'm going to read out the eight. So we have leaving water running, washing clothes too often, leaving things plugged in, lights left on, long showers, not recycling properly, food waste and using the car too much. So looking at these confessions, do you think that maybe as a, as a group we can identify which are easy hard and not possible to change out of each of those confessions. So what what are we thinking? 
I guess the most obvious one that comes to mind for me is like um, the lights on and the leaving water running. Those are kind of very easy um, behavior changes that you can adapt to. So just don't leave the water running when you're brushing your teeth and make a conscious effort to turn off the lights when you're leaving each room, maybe. That's creating a new habit, really, isn't it? I think that uh, using the car too much is kind of like a mix. Like It could be easy or hard, depending on where you live. Like if you live in the country, it could it could be like impossible to for you to use or for you to not use your car as much for now anyway until public transport gets like better for <laughs> rural communities and long showers as well. That would be like easy because like you just have to kind of like train yourself not to spend ten minutes in the shower. Uh, even though it might, you might, it might be like the one place you could get to re- relax, mm-hmm. like ten minutes. I feel like a really big factor to all of these could be depending on, like, where you live and who you're living with. Like, if you're living with your parents and maybe siblings, then it's gonna be harder to have like implement habits on day one. You know, like. But yeah, um, if you do live with other people, then food waste seems like an easy thing to manage like if one person is going to be in charge of making meals and whatnot you just go to that person casually be like um so can we maybe not have x y and z because i know i'm not gonna have x y and z because i don't like x y and z just like be more vocal but be more vocal and like let others know what you're what's going on if that makes sense like you just happen to walk into a room the lights are on turn off the lights or just ask, why are the lights on, you know? Right, and I suppose when it comes to things like washing clothes too often, that's easy enough to stop. At least I think so. You just need to keep wearing your clothes. <laughs> or to wait around until there's um, more clothes to have for a more substantial wash so that it's less of a waste of electricity. And I'm not going to assume to know what goes on in everyone's houses. However, I think that at least... Something can be done on that. Uh, when it comes to leaving things plugged in, that's pretty easy, actually. I think it's just when you reach 100% charged, uh, take it out. It's not going to go up any higher. And when it comes to recycling properly, that can be a bit difficult now, because you actually have to get the information. And to do that, you can try and contact your recycling company or the provider of your bin or whatever as might depend on who you're with as to what can and can't go into your bins but there are online resources and you could try contacting someone who knows about it so hopefully people will be able to start recycling properly if they are not already some great work by the group there we all do things at home that we don't realize are actually harming the environment but like they said there are some easy behavioural changes we can make. Now it's time to check in with this week's Climate Curiosities. Climate Curiosities, exploring the wonders of our changing world. There's a reason Ireland is so green. Over a third of the country's electricity comes from renewable sources like wind and solar. Sometimes the wind is so strong that it powers over 70% of the country's electricity needs. That's like using a super strong breeze to keep the lights on and help the environment. 
Climate Curiosities, exploring the wonders of our changing world. It's the group's favourite time of the week. It's homework time. Let's check in on what they have to do for next week. So for this week's homework, if each of you could find three people in your lives who would be willing to make three behaviour changes similar to the ones that you've identified there. Does that sound good? Yeah. Sounds perfect. And that just about wraps us up with this week's episode of A Journey Through the Climate Crisis. I really enjoyed this week's one and it's only going to get better and better throughout the series. Join us next week when we will have our first guest speaker. We really are kicking off with a big one. Minister Malcolm Noonan will be taking to the hot seat. Join us next week at the same time, at the same place, to see just how we got on. Chat then. You've been listening to A Journey Through the Climate Crisis on KCLR. To hear this episode again and more, download the KCLR app. A Journey Through the Climate Crisis is funded by Commissioner Mann with a television licence fee.